Even worse, if you are self-managing, you're going to be the one taking calls at 2am on a Sunday about broken sinks, so on and so forth. So that active nature of it can be overwhelming, especially if you're not experienced or prepared for it. With a LP syndication investment, after doing your due diligence on the sponsor and the property you're investing in, it's almost 100% passive. You review the monthly reports, the sponsor handles everything else, and that keeps your time free to focus on your day job, family, leisure, and your personal commitments. Welcome to Investing in the US, a podcast for real estate investors, business owners, and aspiring entrepreneurs looking to grow their wealth by investing in US real estate. I'm your host, Reed Goosens, and so far, I've acquired over $800 million worth of investments on various properties across the United States. On this podcast, I interview go-getters, risk-takers, and the best in the business to learn more about their investment journey and the cutting-edge strategies they are applying towards building a legacy. For more on growing your own wealth and or buy investing in the US, visit www.reedgoosens.com. Today on the show, the pleasure of welcoming back my business partner, Ben Gray, here at RSM Property Group. I'm going to be talking a little bit more about the benefits of single family versus multifamily investing coming here in 2024. This is part of a series of podcasts that Ben and I are doing to try and educate you, the listeners, more about what we do behind the scenes at RSM Property Group so you can be more educated and maybe potentially invest with us in the future if you like anything that you hear. Now, remember, all the things that you do here are up on our website. So remember to go over to www.re reedgoosens.com to check out all the links from today's episode, all the show notes. But with that being said, I'm going to welcome you back. Ben, how are you, mate? You're dialing in from Australia today. You're back home with the family. Back home with the family. The kids are loving it. It's great to be home. That's awesome. And for those people listening, because this is not going to go live for a couple of weeks, this is around Christmas time. We're both Australians. We know how important Christmas is down under, and it's also summer down under, which is a little bit different from people north of the equator, you know, experiencing the white Christmas uh, with that being said, Ben, I'm really going to set the scene today for the next sort of 20, 30 minutes for the listeners out there about what we're going to talk about. And as I mentioned in the introduction, we're going to talk about the benefits of single family versus multifamily housing and investing coming here in 2024. And so we're going to talk about a few different things. We're going to talk about the cost of entry. We're going to talk about active versus passive. We're going to talk about the control of being an active versus passive investor. We're going to talk about the liabilities of what happens between buying maybe a single family for yourself as a as an, a rental investment property or investing in a syndication. We're going to talk about the value of owning a single family residence and doing it yourself. We also need to quickly touch on the scalability of being an LP in a deal versus buying your own single family property. And then we're going to quickly sum it out with uh, perceived risks and understanding the differences between, again, buying a single family for a personal investment versus investing in a large syndication. Ben, anything to add to that before we dive into these awesome topics? Great agenda. Let's jump into it. Take it away. Right. So now I will say that this is part of a wider series and we have spoken both Ben and I at length on other episodes. Please go back and check out the other episodes on the podcast, how to create passive income through real estate syndication. So if you haven't listened to that episode, please go back and check that one out. And that was only released about three or four weeks ago. And you can listen to all the benefits of why someone would invest in a syndication. So we're not going to talk about we're going to touch a little bit about some of those benefits we we um, spoke about in that previous episode, but we're really going to focus more on the decision that a lot of investors do come to make when they're first getting started in real estate. Should I buy an existing property or should I go invest alongside some experts? So uh, that's what we're really going to cover. So let's get started and let's talk about the cost of entry. Now, when I first moved to the US, 
I used my own money to buy my first property, but I had limited money. And I know, Ben, you bought your own properties as well. You started out on the single family side. So did I. And so when I had to get that money together, it was, you know, buying a, my first property was, it was a very cheap property, but the average single family rental is probably around $150,000. So I had to save up, you know, probably 30, 40, 50K to go out and buy that one single family rental. And then all my money's tied up and I can't do anything with it. So the cost of entry of getting involved into a single family residence is quite high when you compare it to, say, get the cost of entry of going into, say, a syndication, where I can invest in a syndication for as low as $25,000 per investment. And if I have you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars, I could go and split my investment up over multiple different deals and multiple operators. And that helps diversification. Again, I'm not going to get into the differences of that, but there is an entry barrier between investing in multifamily as an LP and going out and buying your own single family uh, residence. There is some good ups and downs of what would be perceived as what is best, you know, buying your own property or going out and investing in a syndication. Ben, do you want to add anything to that before we keep uh, keep on going? I hate to say no, but we, we've got great notes here and I've, uh, you've, you've got everything armed and ready to go. Let, let's hit it, Reid. <laughs> well, the other thing I want to add before moving on is the credit side. As an active investor going and buying your own single family property, you as the borrower are going to have to rely on your own credit. And not everyone has great credit out of the gate. You know, they might be working on building credit or whatever that might be. If you go and invest in a syndication or as in a multifamily deal as an LP, your credit doesn't matter because you're using the credit of the syndicator to go off and execute on that deal. Again, I'm not going to get too bogged down in the benefits of real estate syndication. We're just trying to understand the differences between in buying your own single family property versus investing in an LP. And I will add one thing to that quickly. Um, For example, like Reid and I moved to the country and, uh, you know, we had good jobs, good income, good assets, all of that stuff, but we didn't have credit because we'd just moved here. So it took a while to build up credit. So my credit score started, you know, crazy low and I didn't have the opportunity to get a loan from a bank. Even getting a rental property, I had to use one of those services where they guarantee it for you. Um, So, you know, there's a lot of people out there who move to the US that don't have credit. A lot of business owners, even though they've got great successful businesses, very difficult to get financing as well. So it's not only people with bad credit that can have challenges buying single family properties, it's people in a lot of different categories as well. So it's something to be aware of. Uh, You obviously don't have those challenges if you're a LP investor in a syndication. Well, that segues into our second point. When I touch in the you know the active versus passive, and I, we've spoken, we did a whole episode based on that before. But do you want to touch again briefly about you know the differences between the active and the passive side? Single family investing is inherently going to be more active than LP syndication investments that you could make. You know, ideally, you're going to have a property manager. If you have a single family property, you know they're going to take eight to ten percent of the income and handle a lot of the day to day for you. But even then, you're still going to have tenant issues that you need to get involved with, evictions, property turnovers, large repairs, and capital expenditures are going to need your review and approval. There's going to be insurance issues that come up, whether it's a broken roof or a leaky pipe that damages the property. Even worse, if you are self managing, you're going to be the one doing the day to day, taking calls at two a.m. on a Sunday about broken sinks, so on and so forth. Uh, so that active nature of it can be overwhelming, especially if you're not experienced or prepared for it. With a LP syndication investment, after doing your due diligence on the sponsor and the property you're investing in, it's almost 100% passive. You review the monthly reports, the sponsor handles everything else, 
And that keeps your time free to focus on your day job, family, leisure, and your personal commitments. And again, we've talked about this at length on other podcasts. There's more to talk about on this, but in a nutshell, that's the difference between active and passive. And that actually rolls into our next point, which is control. If you have a single family property that you own, you can sell that or refinance that pretty much anytime you choose. If you want to swap that from being a rental to a Airbnb or even decide to live there, have your family move in, you can do that as you please. You pretty much have 100% control within reason. Now, as an LP investor in a syndication, you essentially give that control to the sponsor. They're the ones that have to make the key decisions, make the hard decisions, and you know maximize the value of the investment. Of course, this does make it completely passive, but it does limit your ability to liquidate or control the investment. And yeah, again, we can talk about this forever, but with limited time, I'm going to pass it back over to Reid, who's going to cover a couple of other points here. It's good to talk about that control because some people, as they get started in the space of real estate investing, they ask that, say, that question, do they want to be an active owner or do they want to be a passive owner? And for me, I know personally, I was more on the leaning towards the active side. And Ben, I know you've done the same thing, but it's horses for courses, right? Some people are too busy to understand you know, get the 10,000 hours of expertise to go out and be their own active real estate investor um, where they are dealing with, you know, the tenants and the property management companies. So really you've got to ask yourself, what do you want in terms of control? And that will lead you down a path of whether it is an active side or more of the passive side. Now, in terms of the liability, I want to talk a little bit about some of the liability things that we talk um, when we refer to uh, with single family investing versus an LP investing. So if you are choosing to be active and you go buy that single family property, well, then you as the owner are 100% liable for everything that goes on. Trips and falls, the mortgage, the roof leak, everything under the sun is falls into your basket, right? And that can be a good and a bad thing. And it depends on individuals' circumstances of, of whether they want to be that active versus passive, which we've spoken about at, at length. On the other side of the coin, where you're investing in a, in a LP deal, you are completely 100% not liable for any of the issues, the mortgage, the trips and falls, the, the things that go wrong with the property, because you are a limited partner. So there are some benefits of being involved in a passive LP syndication deal where you don't have any of that direct liability that you would on the single family side and being a direct owner. And I think that is, has to resonate with some people listening to this because you have to weigh up whether you want that liability moving forward in life and weigh that with what your, your your personal goals are for investing and so forth. So with that being said, that's a segue into you know our next topic, which is learning the value of owning a single family residence and doing everything yourself. So Ben mentioned that before, that as you're looking to determine what you want to do with your money, there has to be an, uh, a question asked of yourself is, are you the expert in that area or do you want to go and build the expertise to go and then make those investment decisions? And that again will go back to come back to the individual who is you know listening to this podcast and thinking well do I want to be active and because being active will also require you to become some sort of master of real estate investing you know I've got books behind me that talk a lot about real estate investing we're doing this podcast you know Ben and I've spent the 10,000 hours understanding real estate investing but that's because we we wanted to be the masters in that. And not everyone does, but they do understand the benefits of real estate investing. So they may jump in the deep end, but not necessarily knowing all the ins and outs or mistakes that could be made by not having the knowledge first and foremost. So being an active investor, owning your own single family residence will come with some level of 
education that you need to go out and do and educating yourself to be then become that active full-time investor. And just so just keep that in mind as you're uh, weighing up different options uh, coming here. I'll jump in on that because th- this is something that um, you know I've uh, experienced myself. I, I uh, have a lot to say about it. You know, so as Reed said, I personally wanted to become a real estate expert. And uh, I went down the single family residence path and I ran Airbnbs and I learned a tremendous amount. So I read, you know, stacks and stacks of books. I was on bigger pockets. I was going to meetups. I was doing everything I could to be an expert. And uh, I self-managed, I actually still self-managed one of my properties. Uh, And just learning, dealing with tenants, learning, dealing with contractors, learning everything that comes with owning an asset. A lot of that is actually scalable and, uh, you know, helps me now when we're doing the multifamily stuff because dealing with a tenant in a single family unit and the learning how to interact with them and learning about leases, learning about this, learning about that, very much transports to multifamily. So um, there's a lot of value in owning single family properties if you do want to start to become an expert in real estate investing. Yep, that's exactly right. That brings us to our next points in this scalability. So scalability is really important in and around um, understanding if you want to go and be an active investor and you start like Ben and I did and buy your first property, um, you have to go and buy a lot of properties to build that scale. They talk about that, that one deal won't lead to financial freedom. You know, Usually a portfolio leads to real estate, financial freedom. But on the other side of the coin is like, you know, if you go and buy a single family house, you've got you know a roof, you've got its foundations and the plumbing and the, the HVAC and the hot water system, or you can go and buy a multifamily, you know, 50, 60, 100 unit, and it's all under the same roof, but it's 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 got more scale to it. So understanding the 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 bang for your buck when you're looking at a single family versus a multifamily investment from a scale point of view helps you also d- decrease the risk. Which will lead us into our line, and our final point, but but scalability is really really important as you want to grow in this game, as you want to grow your own you know portfolio scale. If I went and bought a ten unit property, I'd have to go buy ten single family properties just to get the same sort of scale. And so, which one would you rather go do? Buy those ten individual deals or go buy one ten unit property? And I think for me, at least as an investor, I think about it from a scale point of view with the least amount of effort by going and buying that ten unit. So, as you're thinking about investing in, in single family versus multi, understand the difference between the scales and how that can help you accelerate your path towards financial freedom and your path towards your financial goals. One last thing I'll say on that. It's a common uh, tale in the real estate investing industry that someone chooses to invest in single family homes and that's going to be their strategy. And after whatever it is, five years, they own whatever it might be, 20 properties. And they realize it's just so much work dealing with all the different property managers, dealing with all the issues. And inherently, so many of these people who invest in single family properties, and that was their their intention to do that long term, realize, hey, this doesn't scale. And you see them very quickly selling those portfolios and jumping into multi just because it simply is a much more scale way, scalable way to own a large amount of, of assets and, and grow your wealth. And the other thing with scalability is that on a single family side, if you're an active investor, that you'll be limited to how many loans you can go do before you need to. I'm not going to get into the nuances of how you structure your, your portfolio, but you just can't go out and do, I think, that what's, what's the limit, Ben? Is it three loans or four loans? I forget the exact, but I think Freddie caps you at 10 and Fanny caps you at four and someone out there is going to correct me immediately when I say that. But the point is there's a limit on the number of agency loans that you can get. 
And then you start having to look at non-bank lenders and, you know, portfolio lenders, and that's fine, but it's just, um, you know, it's a whole different kettle of fish. So you, you can't just, um, the expectation that you can just keep buying properties and getting loans, conventional loans, is not exactly true. And when I say conventional loans in your own name, right? There's, there's, we won't get into the nuances of how you go and change that, but if you're, again, an individual investor going out and thinking you're going to get 10 in individual loans, there will be a cap at some point where the, the bank just won't keep lending to you anymore. And that leads us into the final you know, topic, which is the perceived risk, right? And that from a lending point of view and from you know a, a an ownership point of view, the reason why some banks will, will, will apply a limit to say how many loans you can go do in the single family world is because you're the borrower, right? And they look at you as saying, well, if you can't pay this mortgage, how even if their asset is full, right, meaning even the single family property is renting out, they're not necessarily going to take that rental income into consideration because they're going to look at you as the underwriter, uh, as the person who, who can service that loan. On the multi side, you know, if they have a 10, 15, 50, 100 unit property, then the they, they look at it more as like a business and they will look at the net operating income and they look at it from a reduced perceived risk because say they take a, a 10 unit property or 100 unit property the 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 risk that all 10 or 100 tenants move out at one time is a lot lower compared to a single family residence which is only one tenant right and so that tenant could move out tomorrow well who's going to be left over to pay the mortgage it's you as the borrower borrower I should say so on the multifamily side the the bank looks at it more as a business and looks at the perceived risk reduced risk because you can sort of uh, you know, split that risk up over multiple tenants, right? And that is why we as investors love multifamily investing versus the single family investing side. Going to jump in and say, and as you're starting out, if you own like ten single family, you know, properties, if one of them goes vacant, you know, you've got nine still bringing in that income. So it's you know, you've you've got a little bit of uh, um, you know, what's the word there? It's it's not as risky. But if you have just one unit. And you really need that rental income to come in to be able to pay the mortgage and you know control uh, float the asset. If that tenant moves out or stops paying or there's some issue, that can be really catastrophic to an investor who's just starting out. So that, that's a, a factor of the risk that you should really think about if you're only going to have like one or maybe two single families. Yep. Anything else, Ben, before we summarize the show? Take it away, Reid. Awesome. Well, there you have it, guys. We just did a quick dive, quick quick deep dive into the benefits of owning a single family versus a multifamily asset coming here in 2024. And just to, to recap, we spoke about the cost of entry. We spoke about uh, the active versus passive. We looked at the control, uh, whether you want to have control as a as an active investor or versus a passive investor. And that led into then the liability conversation that Ben was talking about. We talked about understanding the value of of understanding the asset class, meaning you have to be a master of something if you're going to go be an active investor. And then we spoke about the, the scalability of a single family versus say 100 or 10 or 100 unit property. And then that led into perceived risk and how also lenders look at uh, different asset classes as a borrower of say a single family uh, investor versus a multifamily syndication, which they can look at the two different asset classes differently and thus then provide uh, perceived risk. So hopefully that has answered a lot of questions for those people out there sitting on the fence, not understanding which way to go, whether you're going to go active, whether you're going to go passive, whether you're going to go single family, whether you're going to go multifamily. 
it all ends up at the end of the day where you guys individually want to go with your investing career and ha- which path is best suited for you. So hopefully this episode has given you some, shone the light on some different areas to understand as you're making those decisions uh, moving down the path. With that being said, Ben, did I leave anything out there? No, it's great. I'm very excited to make the most of my time in Australia. Maybe get to the beach, have some fun with the kids. So let's wrap it up and uh, Merry Christmas to you, Reid. Yeah. And uh yeah, let's let's uh, go enjoy ourselves. Well, there, yeah, well, there you have it, guys. Another cracking episode jam-packed with some incredible advice. If you do like this show, the easy way to give back is give us a five-star review on iTunes. Remember, all the show notes from today's episode will be up on our website at readgoosens.com. And we're going to do this all again next week. So remember, be bold, be brave, and go give life a crack.